How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Good morning, Mr. Mayor, and thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we're heading into 2023. There was lots going on in your rookie year, as you <laughs> call it. Um, people even said to me, you know, he wants to land the plane, but you know, you got to get it off the ground first, yes, right? Yes. But there's a lot that's on a continuum this year. Mm. And I know you traveled to Albany for the governor's state of the state address. Uh, she said her number one priority is keeping New Yorkers safe. That's right. Uh, she's looking for common ground. That was her term to address the unintended consequences of bail reform. Uh, she was getting standing ovations, not necessarily for that. Uh, you've been having discussions with the governor and legislative leaders these past few weeks. So what common ground or what consensus are you trying to find? Well, first, I think that if we were to look at her speech, I walked away with collaboration. Uh, you heard her talk about mental health. Eric talks about mental health. You heard her talk about um, public safety. Eric talks about public safety. Housing. Eric talks about housing. You are seeing something right before our eyes, a governor and mayor that are collaborating and we are aligned. And when it comes down to public safety, it's the recidivism. That's the issue. We know that uh, lawmakers have a belief about, you know, the term bail. When soon as people hear bail reform, everybody get tense. And so we understand that. But we want to find a way that we could deal with those most dangerous people and not have them return to our streets. Now, she mentioned the removal of the clause least restrictive. Um, is that going to be helpful? Do you think she's going to get that? taken care of. You know, she's got a legislature and legislative leaders that are happy with the way the bail reform uh, issues are at this point. Well, what I, I had a series of conversations with the leaders and members. And where we are is that let's look at public safety in its totality and not just zero in on one aspect. And so I'm excited about this year. I think that we're going to focus on what are the feeders of crime, which I say many rivers lead uh, to the sea of crime. And we're going to look at what we must do right away to deal with dangerous people. And that's a real win. That's what uh, the leaders have told me. They said, let's encourage a total approach to public safety. And it's something that I talk about. So what is that common ground? She, she advocated a lot of things that you have on your agenda, but what is that common ground? What do you think can she accomplish with the legislature? On the, specifically on the public safety? Yeah, on, yeah. and on bail reform and what, what's going to change? Will she get that re least restrictive clause 
out of there. Well, that's going to be part of the conversation. But I think that what happened, unfortunately, last year is that we allowed one road bail reform to get in the way of what we had to do with discovery, what we had to do with people sitting in jail too long, the judges. We, if we allow that one road to get in the way, we're not going to be able to finally make changes. And we had a summit at City Hall where DAs were there, prosecutors, police officers, social activists, groups. Everyone was in the room. And we sat down and said, you know what, we agree on far too much. Now, last week, the NYPD crime stats briefing, you mm-hmm. praised the progress on reductions in shootings and murders, and that was no small task to get mm-hmm. that accomplished. But the shoplifting statistic had you shaken your head. Yes. And you even asked Chief Michael LaPetri, crime statistics guy, to repeat that. And this is what it is. 63,000 shoplifting complaints 327 people accounting for 30% of the arrests. (laughs) Think about that for a moment. That is, when you think about that, it talks about what I am saying. Uh, Juliet, there's a small number of people who are creating havoc in our city. And so we had a meeting at Gracie Mansion with shopkeepers, chain stores, law enforcement, uh, uh, social groups, Everyone came together and we came up with this. One, there's one line of shoplifters who are professionals. They sell the stuff online. We, we found a whole warehouse full of, full of stolen goods. There's another line who need help. They're, they're on drugs. They're dealing with mental health illnesses. Uh, they uh, need food. So we're saying, let's come up with a plan. First, separating the two, those who should be prosecuted, let's prosecute. Then those who are in need of social services at the precinct level, let's connect them with those social service organizations, give them the help they need so they're not part of the revolving door of being a shoplifter. Who does that? Who's supposed to do that? Who? Wh- how do these people get to these services? Mm-hmm. And is there still going to be that revolving door? Uh, they get the services. Okay, that's a finite amount of time. They come back out and do this again. So how does that continuum work effectively? Let me, let's play this out. Uh, Joe Smalls steals something from Rite Aid. He's at the precinct. Right there, the officer identifies that this person has substance abuse. This person has been arrested seven times for shoplifting, and that's a small number. Right there from the precinct, let's call an organization that's a social service organ- organization to come to the precinct sit down, interview, and say, you are eligible for our deferral program. Here are some of the services we have. If that person follows up, we drop that charge. The DA does not go forward. If he's following up, we're going to find out his health care needs, his housing needs, uh, his need for food. Some people are stealing because they're hungry. And that is not answering those issues. Arrest is not always the only way to go. So is there a program in place for that? Or is it, uh, who's responsible for that? The city, the prosecutor's office, who provides these services? Or is there a social worker in the precinct that's doing that? That, that is what we are formalizing right now. That's what the meeting was for at, uh, the, at Gracie Mansion. We brought together the prosecutors, all the district attorneys arrived, the attorney general came, uh, the stores were there. 
the uh, social service organizations were there. This is the type of collaboration we need instead of believing the police can do it all. Because if we arrest someone for shoplifting, they go inside. We know they're not going to stay inside forever. They're going to come back out and they're going to do it again. So why not go and deal with why are you stealing in the first place? That's what we want to do. We want to go to the foundation of the problem. So is this in the works and you're going to have a social worker sitting there at the precinct to, uh, let's say, coordinate, collaborate the services or how would this how would this work? Well, you don't need the social worker at the precinct. Uh, number one, you you know, we've learned one thing from COVID, this, this, this thing called Zoom. You know, person gets arrested. We have them do an interview, a Zoom sort of WebEx type of interview right at the precinct level with the social worker, with the professional. Like we have some great. Uh, social work organizations here in the city, connect them right there on the spot, do the interview and say this person is eligible for our deferral program and we can now connect with them, have them come meet at a later time. So you don't need to have the manpower sitting in the precinct, but you you can resolve the issue from the precinct level. When are you going to roll this out? Uh, we, we're putting it on. We want to get it right. <laughs> you know, I love the energy of New York. You know, New York is like, say, your idea came Monday. We want to see it Monday evening. No, we want to make sure it's right. Uh, and get all all the DAs like the idea. Uh, the Some of our uh, like nonprofits, we want to get the Fortune Society on board. We want to get all of these professional organizations that they know how to deal with the root causes of these quality of life issues. And so we're hoping to get it rolled out right away to deal with this real issue. Because when someone is stealing from a store repeatedly, people don't realize it's not when you arrest someone or stop it, you're not criminalizing poverty, you're preventing poverty. Because a large number of middle income, low income New Yorkers are employed in these stores. And when they close down and leave our city, we're hurting our tax base and we're hurting our job pool. Since you mentioned uh, organized efforts and groups that are crews that are going in there and stealing, whether it's, you know, all the ice cream out of the freezer or the steaks or whatever, um, in that summit that you were having, do you, did you discuss with prosecutors like the possibility of making this a state RICO case where they are prosecuted as an organized entity? Or that I know, you know, these cases are many of them misdemeanors or that it's a federal case where this is an organized event. Well, I think it's imperative that this is something the AG, the Attorney General, uh, Letitia James, she has been an amazing partner. Uh, she did the big crack uh, takedown uh, with NYPD and other officials. And that is uh, what she's looking at the best way to go after these organized crime rings that they're stealing, they're, they're hiring boosters that are going out and, and, and stealing items, and then they're selling them, selling them on the web, and we want to zero in on them. There is a group of business owners now that they want a law that bundles or, let's say, combines the misdemeanors so that not every case is handled as an individual misdemeanor but as a felony because they say they're really being terrorized you know, in these stores, their customers are scared, uh, their employees are scared. What do you think of that idea? Does that make sense to you? Or is that something that's doable? Or obviously, it would need, you know, legislative approval. But what about their sort of concerned combined 
uh, fear over this. No, and it's a real fear. It, it is hurting our bottom line. It's destroying our economy in the retail sense. And we are not as uh, bad as some of the other uh, municipalities. This has become a national phenomenon because of social media. I keep talking about the negative impact of social media on the common culture of our society. Uh, people are walking into stores, grabbing large quantities, TVs, and sometimes assaulting store employees when they intercede. And so it is important to us that we find creative ways uh, to, number one, use the attorney general so it could be a state, statewide effort. Uh, number two, uh, finding creative ways of bundling together. If you are a habitual uh, person that goes into a store over and over again, uh, you should be identified and even use that t technology. Uh, why wait until someone steals? There's some good facial recognition software that can alert people right away that this person is a habitual stealer. They were warned they cannot come into the store. They could immediately go after that person as soon as they walk in and notify the police. Do you think stores, and I've heard this talked about, and maybe some stores are doing it, they will only let certain people in who like have either a membership now or they're thinking about like providing memberships uh, for their stores so that only approved people can come into the store and shop? Well, some you have some chains like that, like Costco. You know, I was a Costco member for years. You know, there were stores that were membership-driven. Uh, I don't think that's the answer to deal with a public safety issue. I don't want my stores to feel as though they have to have membership because they want to prevent people from stealing. I have the obligation as the mayor to make sure our businesses are able to operate in a safe environment. That is my obligation. That's not their obligation. And we're going to solve the problem. That's the job that I must do, the police department must do, and our prosecutors must assist. All right. Last week, Mr. Mayor, you used the B word. You said <laughs> the city could face bankruptcy. You know, that's almost like a forbidden word in New York City. Uh, you you know from the 70s where the city was at. Um, due to the expenses and the costs of helping and housing migrants and hotels are filling up. And if, if your billion in federal funding uh, doesn't come, what is your plan, you know, B, as in B word? So, What's your so plan true. B? It's so true. And I, I, I cannot... Uh, be more clearer to New Yorkers. I think it's imperative to be honest with New Yorkers and, and share with them what we're going through. And when you look at the impact of the asylum seekers, seekers and the migrants, this is having a financial toll on our city. It can go upward to $1.5 billion. It could be even more if the borders uh, are opened again. Because everyone, as you saw with Colorado, everyone is sending migrants to New York City, Chicago, uh, Washington, Houston, uh, some of the other uh, large cities. And we are going to have to make some serious decisions. And so we have to look at every city service is going to be impacted by what is happening with the migrants. So some, some people say, well, are you going to impact uh, this service, that service? And I can't be more clearer. Every city service will be impacted. Now, we were smart last year. We took a lot of criticism, but we built up our reserves, some of the largest reserves in history. Uh, we were smart and making sure we put in place the program to eliminate the gaps. We're making these smart decisions to be ready for the financial turbulence that we see ahead of us. 
Would there come a point, uh, let's say, where A, you have to put Randall's Island back together again, where you have that sort of intake uh, area or temporary housing for people? Um, and B, would there come a time when you have to say that New York City can no longer be a sanctuary city? Uh, no, that's a law and that's beyond my scope. Uh, we, I don't believe the definition of having uh, the obligations of right to shelter falls under a humanitarian crisis like this. Our legal team has stated this over and over again. There are very clear rules that fall under right to shelter that I think is different when you have a humanitarian crisis. And we're going to look at every option. Uh, if we need to build a Herc on Randall's Island, we're going to build a Herc on Randall's Island. If we had to open emergency shelters, over 60 uh, Hercs we had to open in our hotels, we're going to do that. We must respond with the crisis that's in front of us, and we've done that. That's one thing um, uh, when you look at what has happened in this administration. We inherited crises upon crises, but people don't even realize when we cycle out of the crises because we manage those crises with the team we have. So do you think you have enough hotel rooms? Because the Stewart Hotel said they had no more rooms, and you even said there was no more room at the end. Uh, would Randall's Island or something similar be you know, back in the plants? Uh, that is not on the drawing board right now. We're not at the level where we have to say, okay, let's open a Herc again on Randall's Island. But we will do whatever is necessary to make sure that no one is children and families are not sleeping on our streets uh, because we cannot house them in a dignified manner. And have you heard from the White House or the president as far as your request? Uh, I saw uh, Senator Schumer yesterday uh, at an event and I thanked him because he did an amazing job of the large quantity of money nationally. Now we need to see what's going to come to New York. We received $8 million from, from FEMA. Uh, that is just the beginning. There were several applications we put in, uh, but we're hoping we get a substantial amount of the money. But this is more than the money to resolve the money we spent. We must solve the border issue because it will continue to flow if we do not. What? Um, so you don't know your carve out yet from that national money, the, the Schumer? No, we do not. Okay. Uh, the uh, Schumer, uh, Senator Schumer, Senator Je uh, Congressman Jeffries, the, the team in Washington did an amazing job to get money for the, uh, the country. And now we need to know what we're going to receive. And Juliet, I'm clear, this should not be happening to El Paso. This should not be happening to Houston. It should not be happening to Washington. No city should be handling a national problem. What about uh, the governor talking about plans for housing, huge program that she announced, and mental health beds? But from what I heard and what I read, uh, New York is getting, New York City is getting 100 additional beds on top of the 50 that she previously set aside. And she talked about that, I think, back in November. Is that enough for the issue here in the city? And are you going to get any other carve out from the hundreds that she was announcing? And where are you putting people that are getting taken in at this point? Well, you know, oftentimes when people think of the beds that the governor is talking about, these are the long term beds. You know, we have a real problem after uh, we sort of closed down some of the psychiatric uh, institutions that were in place. We closed them down, those long term 
uh, locations, we closed them down without giving the services of those who needed them. We basically stated that uh, there's a segment of our society that can't take care of themselves and their basic needs. We basically sent them out and said, you're on your own. That was just being, that's idealism. That's not realism. If you don't know uh, that you are living in your own ways, that you're not taking medications, that you're not going to the hospital when you're ill. If you don't know that, it is wrong to put people into the streets and allow them to just fend for themselves. That's just the wrong thing to do. And so these long-term beds that the governor is talking about is allowing us to give people the long-term care that they need. The overwhelming part of those who are dealing with mental health illness, if they receive the proper treatment, the proper community, the proper medication, follow-up, they're able to uh, properly uh, function in society. And that is what we must do. We must make sure that people have right pathways, <clears throat> excuse me, right pathways to get the care that they need and the care they deserve. And what about her program? Obviously, you're saying long-term beds, but what about her program? Does it is it sufficient for monitoring people? Who's who's going to take care of like them taking their meds? That's usually the problem. People are off their meds. Uh, they start having issues. They're not taking care of themselves, and they're not and they're acting out. So where is that continuum? And that that is what we must build out the infrastructure. And some people say that, well, don't do anything until that infrastructure is built out. <laughs> I don't believe that. You know, how you find the demands you need is by seeing the proper action and where the needs are. One thing we know for sure, that allowing people to live on the streets that are unable to take care of themselves, their basic needs, and they're in danger to themselves, we must get them care. Do we have the perfect system built out? No, we do not. But are we continuing to identify where the needs are? Yes, we are. And because of that, you would get a Kyle Bragg who's saying, I'm going to put millions of dollars into a homeless mental health issue. You get a governor that highlights in their state of the city. If I would have done like previous administrations and ignored the issue, then we would have not brought it to the highest level of conversation. This is a issue that has been in the, in the making for decades. And we said as an administration, we're no longer going to kick the can down the road. Now, the deputy mayor, uh, Williams Isom, mentioned a couple of weeks ago that uh, part of your mental health plan would house those in need at the Creedmoor <clears throat> facility in Queens. Is that happening? And uh, do you know how many beds you're going to get there or how many people will be housed there? Well, uh, that's a state facility. Right. And we are in conversations with the state officials uh, to do a walkthrough because there's some buildings uh, that one cannot live in. But we want to see exactly which ones are ready and, and could go online. And we want to look at all of these facilities. We are at a moment of a crisis and we need an all hands on deck moment. Would that be for long term? like the long-term beds or, or short-term care? And that's a combination. Uh, and only uh, Deputy Mayor Williams-Isoms, which is a just a real champion on this issue, uh, she and her team will sit down and figure out how to use all the spaces we have available. What will we use for children and families? What will we use for single adults? Uh, we're dealing with different populations, and they will make that determination. And you don't know how many, and you don't know how many beds there? Mm -hmm. You don't know how many beds are there? That's a large facility. Every time I cross 
uh, the, the, the bridge uh, and I look over to the right, I, I'm blown away how that facility has uh, sat empty all these years. Uh, you know, I remember building Creedmoor 25, as a child. Building 25, 25A, I think it is. <laughs> yes, I, re I remember as a child growing up in Queens uh, when Creedmoor was open. You know, my neighbor worked there. But uh, that's a large facility, a lot of space. There's so much we could do with that space. Are you a betting man, Mr. Mayor? Uh, depends on what I'm betting on. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're talking about a casino that mm -hmm. could come to New York City and or the area. Do you play like roulette or blackjack or anything like that? I'm pretty cheap. I play I play the, 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 the nickel slot machines, you know, and if I lose, if I lose 50 cents, I get scared and don't play no anymore. <laughs> so what do you think of a casino being located in Times Square? And are you aware that these robocalls are going out? Uh, looking asking for polling about it mm, no. I, I got one of these calls the other day <laughs> no and no. somebody saying do you and it was a live person but mm. it was a call mm. uh you know just uh, promoting it and asking do you approve or you know oppose it so how do you feel about a casino in times square well i, I think that we want a casino downstate no matter where it is we would like i know the decision is going to be made on the state level we want it downstate, but we want to also make sure we have the right safeguards in place. Uh, we don't want people to fall into debt because of gambling. There should be a lot of things in place so it's done correctly. I was, I was a former chair of racing and gaming. I know how powerful it is to have a casino in an area. If it's done correctly, it's a job builder, it's an economic boost. And we, we're, we are just looking to make sure one of the casinos are here downstate. Do you think Times Square will have a safety issue? I know the Broadway League is very concerned. Uh, and they're very opposed to uh, gaming being in Times Square. Uh, would you have to augment it with police or private security? How would this all work? Well, no matter what happened, no matter what, what takes place in Times Square and some of the other locations, uh, Hudson Yards, Willis Point, uh, there's so many different areas. We, we will have the right police presence there, and we will also have whomever is running the, this casino, they will have their safety measures in place. Like you look at what's taking place out in Queens over at the AEG facility, we don't hear any major issues. They have a great security team using good technology, good manpower on the ground. No matter where it is, we're going to do a good job, and it will help tourism in our city. Uh, we're really happy that China is about to open back up. It's a major impact on our, our tourism. We recovered well with approximately 56 million tourists, but we're looking to go even higher next year. And uh, anything that we could do to attract New Yorkers here, we say hooray to it. All right. Final question. Um, you know, Aaron Judge had his record-breaking year, <laughs> 62 home runs. So wait a second. Now, how are you hitting it out of the park in 2023? Give us a sneak preview of uh, what your plans are. I know you have your state of the state, <laughs> but give us give us a hint. Well, I, I'm a big believer that we have underutilized technology to run our city more efficiently. Uh, this is this is a year for me of technology. It's time for New York us to stop being afraid of the transformation that's taking place in other major cities across the globe. There's some great technology that we could use to make us safer, more efficient, and b bring better resources to the city. Like what? Well, number one, our My City card. 
This has been a thought of mine for a long time. One card with all of the information of every New Yorker, not only that New Yorkers won't have to fill out forms over and over again, but also that we would seek out New Yorkers and tell New Yorkers, do you know you qualify based on your data for SNAP, for WIC, uh, for a uh, rent reduction. There's so many resources that are available for New Yorkers that they don't know how to navigate the bureaucracy. So our My City card is going to be allowing New Yorkers to know all the resources that are available to them and take away the burden and the bureaucracy of navigating government. That's a huge advantage, and we're going to build on that, and I'm excited about that. I talked about it on the campaign trail, and we're closer to finally getting it done. Would you use facial recognition on a citywide basis? I know the police department deals with that, and we were talking about private industry. Would you use it in, in any further way? Uh, the only way I would use it is within the laws that we have available. I think technology is usable, must be done correctly. It cannot become abusive. And w whatever ways the city council and the state lawmakers tell us we're allowed to use technology, we're going to operate within uh, those boundaries. And finally, is Aaron Judge getting a key to the city? Oh, you know spring? he is. You know. <laughs> when is that happening? We're gonna we're gonna make sure you have a front seat. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything specific set up for that? Uh, the team is putting it together now. We're communicating with the Yankee Yankees organizations, and uh, we're we're gonna roll out. Um, if they accept, we would love to give it to uh, Aaron Judge. It All was right. a historical moment. It was, yes. and I will be there. Yes. Listen, thank you so much, <laughs> thank Mr. You. Mayor. Thank you for taking the time. I know I'll see you soon. Yes, take care. <laughs> Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.